You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. It is Friday, November 15th, 2019, and it's time for your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual this morning is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, we're trying to find a bottom here and uh, lots of interesting things going on in the industry and the economy, so let's get her fired up. We do have a lot to talk about, so we better dive right into it. But of course, before we get started, I got something else for people to dive into. Uh, silver is in high demand at Sprott Money and at SprottMoney.com. Um, so... The large ounce bars are literally flying off the shelves, the 100 ounce bars. So in response to customer requests, we've added the Pamp Suisse 100 ounce silver bars to our inventory. You can find them on the website and purchase them directly at SprottMoney.com. Or of course, you can call us at 888-861-0775. The only good news about having price go down is a 100 ounce silver bar uh, costs you about well, a couple hundred dollars less than it did uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Eric. And uh, but we're bouncing back a little bit this week. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the great well, there's a number of anomalies, by the way, in in the financial markets and in particular the precious metals markets. One of them being uh, the recent performance of the um, junior silver stocks that have gone up about fifteen percent in the last two weeks while the price of silver was going down which is very, very, very bizarre, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would even say that the performance of the gold stocks has been pretty impressive in the face of the decline and the fear of a further decline. Uh, so that's been unusual. Uh, we also had the whole situation where we have record trading in the COMEX, uh, the price going down, but the open interest went up, which I still can hardly explain because it's supposed to go the other way, the the open interest is supposed to be going down because the banks would be covering their shorts, but it looks like their shorts are even larger now because of the open interest. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. We all know there's a big December expiry coming up, and we have uh, about uh, nine trade, no, ten trading days, including today, I guess, before it expires. And there's a huge open interest. It's you know something like. 47 million ounces or something so there's a lot of a lot of things have to happen to uh, to um, balance off the um, the guys wanting to own it and the guys who are shorted so we'll see how that transpires hey we've got a few other things we want to talk about before we get into the questions this week but i think i'm going to work one in right here because you mentioned the junior silver miners going up even with prices uh, going sideways and that's certainly interesting especially at a time when uh, we're approaching tax loss season uh, and you'd expect some of these junior silver miners to go down instead, but they're being accumulated. I We had a question this week about your experience with tax loss selling, because we're going to, I don't know how much we'll see this year or not, seeing as how we had a good year. Yeah. But how does it, how does that tax loss selling typically affect stocks, juniors in particular? How do you know when, and how do you know when it's over? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, there is tax loss selling, uh, particularly in a, in a good year for stocks generally. Because you want to, most people should have some kind of profit in stock, so you want to offset that by taking a loss. So any security, uh, precious metal security that's weak already will come under quite a bit of pressure. The pressure typically ends uh, around really the last uh, trading day of the month, but 
I might even target something like if if one wanted to accumulate these things because they were knocked down, I would say December 15th is your start date. And then typically you get a lot of upside movement in late December after the uh, selling season for taxes is over and into January. So that would be my uh, suggestion. Okay. Back to the week that was, Eric. Uh, I, I know it caught my eye this week when we had the first month of the new fiscal year down here in the States. The government fiscal year ends in se- at the end of September, begins in October. The first month came in with a $134 billion budget deficit. Now, you can't say that's a run rate of a, of $1.5 trillion because there are some months where we actually take in some money, uh, there's some tax receipts. But my God, is there is there any end to this Ponzi scheme that we run down here? It, it doesn't look that way, and and I think the more rather than the absolute number of dollars, I think the more important thing is that the expenditures, the government expenditures, are up seven point six percent, and the revenue is down two point eight, and both of those would make you pause and wonder what is going on here, because by the way, the federal government spending seven point six percent more. In, if it was sustained for a year, would be 2% GDP, if not more. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's and, and of course, the fact that the revenues are going down is also, well, why are revenues going down? We supposedly have all these people working. We have all these companies making all this money, and revenues go down almost 3%. Like, what the hang's going on here? Maybe that recovery is not as strong as we think it is, and maybe some of those employment numbers are kind of phony because guys have two and three jobs. Yeah, and um, we we see this uh, like I believe the uh, the squeeze on the, um, the lower class or even middle class middle class for sure people just keeps going up. I saw something where um, auto delinquencies are something like uh, sixty two billion dollars of delinquent subprime auto loans sixty two billion. That is not a little amount, okay? Yeah. And what's, what uh, delinquent means, haven't made a payment in three months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we know there's been terrible abuse of those loans. People go and buy cars, and, you know, they buy a $25,000 car, and they end up with a $45,000 loan because the, the lender just rolls it. But now we're going to have these delinquencies uh, uh, are bad. And it, it's just a statement about what's, what's happening to a class of people, okay? Right. And we know the wage increase is not there. We know the inflation is there. God, we had CPI go up 0.4% this last month. That's 4.8% annualized. Then they said, well, take food and, and uh, you take food and energy out of it. Well, excuse me, food and energy are two of the big ingredients. What do you mean take it out? That's what I pay. That's what I spend my money on. Right. Anyway, so I think that just goes on. The wealth effect just gets worse. Uh, the grinding of people, not just in the U.S., but, you know, we see all these... Uh, disruptions in south america and it's always because some government wants to raise some one more tax one more time and the people just get fed up with it they can't deal with it yeah and i think we think the world is experiencing that i you mentioned that auto loan thing that was something that would probably slip through the cracks i saw that though too uh it would we're almost to a third of all new auto loans in the u.s are for more than the cost of the car uh, yeah. And I think typically that's because, you know, everybody knows you drive the car off the lot, it immediately loses a third of its value and you get underwater. Right. And so yeah. you're under, you owe 30,000 on your current car. It's only worth 20. So the, 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 the dealership will loan you that 10 to pay it off and then add that to the loan on your new car. I mean, it's madness. 
Yeah, it's like subprime housing, by the way, because yeah. everyone along the line is making a big fat fee that they're booking as revenue. It always stays revenue until the loan doesn't pay off, right? Yeah. And then when the loan doesn't pay off, we all find out that, oh, that guy didn't really make as much money as he said he was making. So, And I might point out that the Bloomberg Consumer Comfort Index came out. It, it's at the lows as that we experienced back in 08. Mm. Consumer comfort, i.e., let's just call it the squeeze is on. Okay? Yeah. The squeeze is on. Yeah. You see it every day. And, and you've probably seen the charts too, Eric, of uh, how, uh, infl- or, uh, I guess, uh, employment, uh, unemployment, all of that seems to track the PMIs on about a 90-day lagging basis. Uh, <laughs> and the PMIs have been crashing. Right, right. There's all sorts of... Uh, signs of things out there. Uh, by the way, I should mention that while the Empire State Index came out this morning, it was weak. Um, I found it very interesting that uh, Uber just got a tax bill from the state of New Jersey for $650 million uh, because they're not uh, supporting the drivers in terms of uh, health care and, I guess, Social Security and things like that. That's just one state, by the way. Yeah. $650 million. Yeah. Well, yeah. They already lose a billion a quarter. Imagine if a few states came in with, with uh, looking for handouts like that. Anyway, it's a, it's part of the uh, the unicorn thing, right? Where yeah. all these guys have all these losses, and somehow the um, private equity guys were willing to afford it, thought it was a great model. Well, you know what? It isn't a great model, and it'll prove to be a disastrous model here. It reminds me of all the dot com, you know, pets dot com and stuff like that from nineteen ninety nine. It is the same sort of thing. Yeah. Just keep doing it. It's going to work. It's going to work. Keep yeah. doing it. Keep losing money. We'll take care of you. We'll need to find out that uh, like we work. Okay. What? I think I just saw their. Did I see their loss for the third quarter? Yes. One point two billion or something. Yeah. Oh my God! What kind of a theory is there that we were going to value that stock at forty-five billion dollars or something, and they were losing at an annualized rate of five billion? Have we gone mad? The only difference between WeWork and the U.S. government is WeWork can't issue their own currency. <laughs> yeah, and I see industrial production just came out here now, and it's down 0.8%. That's a pretty good rate of decline. That's yeah. 10% annualized, by the way, yep. just so we all know. Following anyway. along with those PMIs. Yeah. All right. Hey, I've got, a, a, again, a laundry list of questions for you. Um, and again, I, I just want to emphasize, we really appreciate everybody sending uh, the questions in. We have something like 30 of them this week. Uh, we can't possibly address every single company, obviously. But I, I do, in the, in, as Eric and I get started before we begin to record, ask Eric about every single one. So, okay, So if you don't hear your question addressed or if you don't hear your company addressed, it's because Eric doesn't know anything about it or doesn't feel qualified to, to answer. So please understand, though, we look and we very much appreciate you taking the time to send us something. It's submissions at SprottMoney.com. Um, Eric, I, I, before we get to some specific miners, I just want to ask you about a couple general questions that have been sent in. One had to do with microcap stocks. We talked about last week about your philosophy for buying them. Are they, are they mainly kind of like um, accredited investment kind of things? You know, are, are they for regular investors, do you think, or are they just too risky? Well, as I said last week, size doesn't bother me, right? If, I mean, if, somebody, if, you, if you can do the work, the work, and figure out that something's cheap, the fact that it's small doesn't mean anything. You know, Starbucks was small at one time. McDonald's yeah. was small at one time. Amazon was small at one time. All these guys start off small, uh, and, and they were all microcaps at one time. And we say, would we say, well, we would never touch those when they're small? Hey, if you figured it out and you know it's going to work, 
you can easily buy them. So I do it all the time. Yeah. So it's not if just do your homework. Um, it's really, I mean, and then obviously you have to be comfortable. It's got to fit your risk profile and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Eric, how about this then? Uh, another person want to know if you just do the math yourself or if maybe you employ a team of geologists to look at the company before you buy a portion of it. Well, I'm embarrassed to say I don't have any geologists on staff. Uh, and I have a philosophical belief that a chartered accountant, which I am, is better at analyzing drill results than a geologist because he, the um, chartered accountant is putting it into dollars. Yeah. He's thinking about dollars. The geologist is trying to think, well, how did it get there? Gee, that's interesting. wonder what kind of structure is it and all that stuff. And I think a guy who can put it into dollars very quickly uh, can make the move faster. Now, you know, there's lots of times people make mistakes because some guy comes out with one good drill hole and then there's no follow-up, and that's a risk you always have to bear in mind, okay? that You, you, you want to make sure you're, you're not in a one-hole wonder here. You want to have some other information which suggests there's a reason for a deposit to be here. You know, not that the guy's drilled beside a former hole that was good, and now he's got exactly the same results, and it was a one-hole wonder, too. So you got to do, do a bit of homework. All right, fair enough. Uh, one other question. <clears throat> Excuse me. This person says they're part of a group that meets on a regular basis delib- uh, deliberating about how precious metals price discovery is really achieved, which you and I know is done in these, through these digital derivatives and the fractional reserve scheme that the banks run. This guy just wants to know, he understands how the creation of contracts around the open interest in new all-time high dilutes the float, creates more contracts to soak up the buying demand. But how is that any different from just shorting? I think the answer is self-apparent, but I'll let you take that yeah. one. Well, what's, what happens when there's a legitimate buyer of a COMEX contract, 99% of the time that COMEX contract is sold to them by a commercial bank short. And the banks essentially have 99% of the whole market is their market. Maybe there's, there's some that uh, might actually be a producer hedging or it might be some speculator uh, wanting to short. But for the most part, when we see the open interest rising, we see the short position uh, going up commensurately. Well, who's selling the shorts? It's the banks that sell the shorts because they believe they have the power, and it looks, you know, based on history, they have the power to move the price right back down when they want to, mm-hmm. barring some unforeseen event. So uh, it's, a, it's a game they play, and then, of course, they've got all sorts of things outside of it where you got gold options, you've got gold shares, you got uh, you got calls on gold stocks that you're also, as a commercial bank, trading against your position and when you know that you can take that price down like they did in the last month hey you if you were short the gold stocks initially you would have made money i find it interesting that's why i find it more interesting that these stocks are going up now maybe these bankers know the game's over yeah which it might very well be because the the we have those incongruities going on in the in the comex and the stocks and there's um lots of reason to think that maybe this time they might ultimately lose Eric, it's still early in the morning. You got to keep it. Incongruities is too big a word for me. You got a <laughs> few less syllables, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, thank you for it. That's a very good answer for that. How about? Uh, I just want to run through some of these uh, individual stocks before we wrap up. A uh, yep. lot of folks wanted to get your opinion on uh, what's the Wallbridge drilling results and how that impacts uh, Balmoral. Sure. Okay. Well, first of all. 
the uh, drilling results that were announced yesterday morning at 9.30. I really didn't have much time to look at them yesterday, but I spent my standard two hours looking at them today, and it's very, very complex. Um, but uh, they looked fantastic. The uh, Tabasco, what they call lower zone now, they did some undercuts of the great hole they reported two weeks ago, which was uh, 37 meters of 27 grams. They did an undercut that I think was 70 meters downhole, and it, uh, I think it had a 20 meter intersection uh, of um, uh, sulfides and, and, and lots of uh, visible gold. So the hope would be it'd be very analogous to the, the hole they reported two weeks ago. Uh, they stepped out. Uh, they undercut another hole uh, in in the, um, the Tabasco lower zone on a different. Um, it's south. It was south of the the big hole they announced, and and they got another big thirty meter intersection. So it look and they they're in the process of drilling a hole that's going to undercut all of those holes by a further two hundred meters. Well, my God, you know if that hole hits. We have a thousand meters of strike in the Tabasco zone, and we've got good widths and good grades, and you could end up with you know 400 meters of kind of a high grade chunk down there. There would be a lot of ounces there. I'm also very hopeful that some of these other zones, for example, there's one called the Cayenne that is parallel to the Tabasco. It looks like it might be shaping up as we go deeper here too. It's early, early days to say that, and. No one else has said that. But when I look at some of the intersections of that, they look like they're pretty robust and getting thicker. So we'll stand by on that. The whole area 51, they had an intersection of 272 meters of 0.68 grams, which is low grade, but bulk mineable. Uh, they talked about having 500 meter intersections that they haven't, haven't uh, assayed yet uh, near surface. Uh, so this, and, and let's not forget that they they took a, a big wildcat step out and went out 800 meters from the existing um, structure, which is only a thousand meters long, and they hit a, a visible gold intersection up there. So I, I'm very excited by what's going on here. Uh, if any of you listeners have uh, you know multiples of millions of shares, I'm allowed five purchases a year. So if somebody like to short me five million shares, call me. <laughs> no I, i'm sorry okay um hey and and i do have again we had this laundry list of of uh, companies i've got five uh that uh that i want to run past you real quick uh so sure. again thank everybody for sending in uh the names these are the five that eric uh thought he could comment on one exelon resources sure well i'm a big owner of exelon uh, I did have a, a chat with management recently about what's going on, and it, it looks like uh, things are shaping up in uh, Mexico uh, in terms of the drilling and finding ore and just around the existing uh, mine network. They also made an acquisition in, uh, was it Poland or Germany, uh, which was an old silver-producing thing hmm. and had very, very high grades. Uh, and they're they're very high on... On, on what they might expect there. And, you know, the silver price got so low that everyone's just has given up on silver, right? But I think the guys who are buying old ore bodies that still had lots of reserves when they were shut down might find that uh, as prices rocket up here, they're, they're, they've made 
great, great investment. So I hope that happens with Exelon. Thought of Eastern Europe as a big uh, mining area. That's interesting. I know. That's the funny <clears throat> part. But it, there's lots of mining there. Uh, Brixton Metals. Brixton, yes. Uh, they announced a whole a couple of weeks ago uh, up in their Thorn property. It was a good hole. Uh, it wasn't as long as the first hole. And I think, unfortunately, you just can't take one hole to tell you the story there because uh, you, you need more than what we've got so far. Um, but, you know, I'm a believer that they're in the right area. Uh, the uh, each, each of the holes that they've announced this year are very, very extensively long holes with good grade. We just need more of them to say with certainty that, that we can have a mine up there. Prophecy Development. Prophecy, I, I recently invested in it. Uh, they have uh, three operations. The one I was interested in is the silver operation in Bolivia. Uh, they have a very interesting property down there. I'm forgetting the exact number of ounces of silver that they have. I think it's something like 80 million. Uh, it's in a, a prime area where there's been scads of silver produced over many, over, you know, probably for the last four or 500 years ever since the Spanish came over there. So uh, I'm buying it for those silver resources and uh they'll they'll be drilling soon i believe and uh, we'll see how it shapes up how about silver one silver one um again a, a silver uh deposit owner a good deposit decent grade um i'm banking on the silver price doing exceptional things and i'm willing to be patient and if they've got the ounces in the ground then uh, that's my first inclination to go in and they have ounces in the ground. I don't know the exact number of ounces, but it's not small. I think it's a good-sized operation. And finally, Irving Resources. Irving, I got into uh, through my association um, with a geologist, a friend of mine, and it's in Japan, and uh, they have a rather unusual ore body um, a gold ore body uh, that they're drilling and uh, and test sampling. I think it's more sampling on surface that they've done so far, and uh, it's all worked out. The stock's done incredibly well. Uh, it's it's hope they hope it's an analogy with another significant ore body. I'm not remembering the name of it yet. Um, that is has been around for a long, long, long time and has produced more gold than you can imagine. And they think they have the same style of mine there. So again, uh, patient, stock's done well, uh, good people uh, should do well. And Eric, as we wrap up again, thank you for all your time. This is, I mean, you're just so generous to share it with us and answer all these questions. Um, we're about even on the week. I see as we close here, I got about 1466 in the December gold and 1686 in the December silver. Anything you're going to be watching into next week? Yeah, I'm going to watch Kirkland and Walbridge. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, as you said, we, we, we're, we're, we're neutral. And we, I mean, you know, we're not neutral. Kirkland and Walbridge have both done well here. And, uh, you know, it's funny how you can have uh, horses that, uh, that go against the grain. And, uh, and of course, between the junior silver stocks and, and those two horses, it's been, uh, been pretty good. And I'm looking forward to lots of exciting things going forward. And lastly, by I'm sure if you're a listener in Canada or U.S., you've noticed that uh, winter is fast approaching if it's not already here. <clears throat> anyway, it's at least a sure sign the holidays are upon us. 
And everybody always looks forward every year to the Sprott Holiday Catalog that you find at SprottMoney.com. Really, some of the best deals you're going to find all year. Maybe they'll even put some deals on those Pamp Suisse 100-ounce bars we're getting in. Anyway, this year's catalog will be full of those great ideas, again, for friends, family, uh, maybe even for yourself. You can find the catalog online at SprottMoney.com later today. We're that close to Christmas, Eric. Anyway, uh, just a few weeks to go in a year, but I look forward to talking to you again next week. Look forward to it myself. All the best, Craig. And from all of us at Sprott Money News, SprottMoney.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Friday.